Welcome to Language on Purpose with linguist, teacher, consultant, and veteran language learner, Mary Lynn Kinberg. Here's your host for today's show. Today, we welcome to the show a global worker who is a language learning coach and an exemplary language learner. We'll ask her to reflect on her experience learning Arabic as a single woman in Jordan. Welcome to the show, Josika. Welcome to my Zoom room. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Where are you joining us from?、Uh, I'm currently calling in from Cairo, Egypt. And what are you doing in Cairo instead of in Jordan? <laughs> well, I came here、um, about three months ago, which was in the middle of February, to do some coaching and consulting work. I came for a three week trip. But it has currently turned into a three month trip.、Uh, with the travel restrictions all happening, I was not able to get back into Jordan. And so I'm hanging out in Cairo for the time being and continuing to do coaching and consulting work while I'm here. Well, I hope that you can get home soon. Josika, you and I met at the University of North Dakota. And you were my teaching assistant in the second language acquisition course. And you saved so many lectures because you are such a great linear thinker. Do you remember that crazy word board that I asked you to make for me? I remember, yeah, it was a, it was a great summer. It was really great to be involved in the course in, the, in that way that year. That word board was some. How we were talking about grizzly bears and teddy bears and language learning, and you came up with that great word board in the shape、yeah. of a teddy bear. That's right. And you recently finished your master's there through the University of North Dakota. Yeah, that's right. I finished just last summer, actually. I defended my thesis and finished my master's degree last summer. And your MA was in linguistics with a special focus in second language acquisition, right? Yeah, that's right. It's been really a passion of mine for, for a number of years. And so it was exciting to be able to focus on some issues relevant to language acquisition、uh, as I worked on my thesis in particular. Tell us just a little bit about your current role. You said that you were doing language coaching and you've worked as a consultant. Tell us about what you're doing in Jordan. Yeah, so I, I moved to Jordan in 2014 and had a couple of years to really focus on full time language learning. But even starting in those first couple of years, I started doing some language coaching both in Jordan as well as in the region. And now I actually have the, the opportunity to travel a lot of places around the Middle East, particularly in the Arab world.、Um, as I travel, I meet with individuals, I do individual coaching. I consult with language programs. I train other language coaches in these locations. So I'm primarily based out of Jordan, but I probably spend about half of my time traveling. And of course, this year it will end up quite a bit more spending extra time here in Cairo. Well, for all those reasons, and because you're a friend, we are especially privileged to have you on our show today. It's great to be here with you. Before leaving the US, Josika, What were some of your thoughts and feelings about doing language learning as a single woman in a conservative Arab context? You know, I, I have to say, I don't think I gave it a lot of thought of, as to what it would be like. I didn't really give consideration to my kind of season or status in life at that point. 
I had friends who were living in Jordan and they answered my questions regarding what I should pack and what I should bring to wear. I knew that I was planning on studying language full time, but I didn't really know a whole lot about the culture, about the context. And so it's hard to say what kind of expectations I've had. And even Arab friends have asked me that. They've said like, did you expect to come and, and everything would be sand and camels? <laughs> I said, I didn't, I don't know that I really had a lot of expectation before I came. So I wasn't really sure what to expect either. So as a single woman, did you think about maybe some strategies for language learning or think about what that picture might be like, particularly as a single woman learning language? Yeah, I think that I had actually lived before I moved to the Middle East. I spent about a year in Colombia. And in Colombia, it was a little bit different because I had learned a lot of Spanish before I even went. And so I was able to have close relationships with people right away. And at the same time, it was fairly security conscious in Colombia because of the risk factor there. So I didn't really have the opportunity to go out a lot on my own. And so when I first arrived to the Middle East, actually the morning after I got there, I asked my roommate, I said, do you, do you think it's okay if I go for a walk around the neighborhood and walk up to that grocery store we drove by? And she kind of looked at me like I was crazy, like, of course it's okay, it's fine, go. <laughs> um, and But I think I was fairly conscientious at that point of the fact that I was you know, not necessarily alone, but going out by myself, you know, without my roommate or without a friend. It was a little bit scary at first, I, I think, figuring out kind of where the boundaries of my independence could be. So yeah, I would say in regard to that kind of singleness or going out by myself, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I was conscientious of the fact that I should be careful. But in the end, really, life in Jordan has been very safe. And so I've been grateful for that. Okay, so maybe a little concern is what you're saying about your safety. What other concerns did you have going out? I would say that, you know, one thing one thing that I knew as I went out was that I wanted to be able to do a, some sort of program that was relatively self-directed. As you mentioned, I'd had some connections with the language acquisition course and I had worked as a TA for that course a couple of times. So I had a picture of how I wanted to approach my language learning. Um, and I, I knew that I have a strong conviction that language learning is very relational. So for me, it was important to know that I would be able to make connections within the community, whether that be with my neighbors or with my language teachers. Um, my long-term goal was really to, to have relationships with Arabs. So it was important to me to know that I could build those relationships in the community as a single woman. So did you feel like that any particular situations where you would have liked to have gone or participated, but they were off limits to you because you were a single woman? Um, you know, one of the blessings that has been for me in the Middle East is to have a community of not just Arab friends, but also some close expat relationships. One of those being my my roommate. We actually arrived to Jordan at the same time and we are still living together in the same house, which is a, a huge blessing. And so that partnership was really important for both of us to have someone that we could go on and visits with or go out to try and meet people together. 
And so I think that was really significant for me to have those kinds of relationships. But there were also times as, you know, as single women that we weren't able to maybe stay out late at someone's house or we're conscientious of what our neighbors would think if we came back too late. So we had to kind of set those boundaries and make sure we were getting back to the house at a decent time. Or if we weren't together on a visit, you know, if I was just visiting a friend, um, particularly if I was taking a taxi home, not getting a ride from someone, I, I wanted to be very careful about how my neighbors were seeing me, how the community was seeing me. Because in, in a con- Arab context, how people view you is is really significant and may be the, the difference between an open door to relationship and closed door to relationship. So what you're talking about is a limitation for staying out too late. Were there some other limitations that you encountered in your context of things that you had to be really careful again about how you were perceived? One of the things that's been interesting is to see how I am able to build relationship with a variety of people. And of course, when it comes to, for example, the way I dress or the way I carry myself or uh, who I'm seen with on the street, for example, um, it's really important to me that single young women see me as somebody with high values and high morals so that their parents are okay with them spending time with me. Um, So I think we have to, you know, kind of shift my mindset from living my own independent life. And in America, you know, it doesn't matter to me too much what people think. I'm just going to live, live in my freedom. But really moving to the Middle East, I had to be aware of not just the way that I was um, dressing, but the way I was walking in the street or who I would stop and talk to on the street. If I stop and talk to a man on the street, somebody might think that's maybe a bit odd or strange, or if I was riding alone in the vehicle with somebody that wasn't an official taxi driver, that may be odd. So, so there are definitely things that as I went on in my life, I started to learn would open doors and things would potentially close doors. What would you say was a particular advantage to you as a single woman learning language? Yeah, I think there are, I think there are a few advantages really one of them is that I have opportunities to connect with single Arab women. Traditionally, Arab women get married, you know, maybe just out of high school or even even earlier than that sometimes. But now more and more Arab women are going to university and then after that starting a job to be able to support their families. And there are actually a number of single Jordanian women who are in their late 20s, early 30s, even into their mid or late 30s that aren't married yet. And for me, that's an opportunity to connect with those ladies in a really special way. Um, so the, the types of women that I've been able to connect with, I think, has been really an advantage. And in fact, some of my language teachers that I first started with back in 2014 are still some of my closest friends. And one of them that I was with for about eight months, she is really still my closest Arab friend. And also really as a single woman, I think I had time and mental capacity to really focus on that growth in relationship in a way that I wouldn't if I had a family. So my main focus for those two years really got to be participating in the community and growing in relationship. And that time for me was really a gift. And the ability to focus on that was really, really a gift for me. Were there times when you intentionally joined with 
a married couple or joined with a family in your language learning to give you a different kind of context that wasn't available to you as just as a single woman? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And it's it's something I like to talk with learners about as they're having opportunity. Maybe a single woman, you know, wouldn't get to hear the same kind of life story or, or perspectives from uh, a man that you would if you were married or, you know, studying with somebody else. I never personally joined up with a, a couple, although I definitely did give it some thought at some point to, to really focus in on being able to hear some stories. But one advantage that I did have was that I was studying at a language program where they were okay with a man uh, teaching a woman. And as long as it was in you know, the safe context and the work context of the language program. And so I found that even though outside of the center, I was very conscientious of how I was you know, talking, who I was talking to and who I was interacting with, I found that within the center that provided a safe space and environment to also be able to hear things from male teachers and hear their perspective and hear how they were dealing with life. And so that was really, I think, a healthy thing um, because sometimes I've seen women who have come to the Middle East and the only interactions they have with Arab men are the taxi drivers. And of those taxi drivers, some of them are trying to, you know, take advantage of you as a, a foreigner and try to get you to pay extra, or they're trying to just talk to you and make conversation, or they're trying to, you know, marry you off to their son or trying to marry you themselves. So for me, having the opportunity to also have some positive interactions in Arabic with male teachers was, I think, really beneficial and healthy for me that I could have that in the safe environment of the language program. I know you're very thankful for having that available to you. Josika, how would you finish this sentence? If I weren't a single woman learning Arabic, I would never have been able to. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I would say never, but I would say if I weren't single, studying this language, I would not have been able to spend concentrated, the number of concentrated hours that I spent in one-on-one -on -one conversations with Arabs. Um, that Another way maybe I could finish it, the sentence was, if I weren't a single woman learning this language, I would have never been able to go on a weekend outing with a group of Arab tourists. You know, I had opportunities that my flexibility, the flexibility of my singleness afforded me to do things with Arabs that I maybe wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Would you be willing to share with us a situation that you found yourself in that was rather uncomfortable? Hmm. Let's see. I think one of the situ one of the situations, as I as I mentioned, that I think we we find ourselves in quite often um, are situations with taxi drivers. And in the very beginning, you know, when I don't really understand the language, I don't say anything, you know, I tell the driver where I want to go or I try to tell him and maybe sometimes he tries to say something in English. <laughs> but I had an opportunity or an experience at one point where I got into a taxi right after my language session and I was taking two taxis a day at least to go to and from the language program. And the taxi driver was, was asking a lot of questions. And really in Jordan, it's not polite for him to be asking questions. 
maybe in America, we would consider that to be friendly. But in Jordan, it's really considered to be forward and inappropriate that he would be asking me all these questions. So I was trying to navigate how to respond and how not to respond. I had recently asked one of my teachers, like, how do I respond when he asked me, you know, are you from, where are you from, or what do I say? And she had given me a little bit of coaching. So this was my opportunity to to try saying the things that she encouraged me to say, which I had tried once or twice before, and they seemed to work pretty well. But for some reason, uh, this taxi driver was not very happy with my responses. And he actually stopped the taxi, and he said to me in Arabic, you're driving me crazy. And I thought, oh, <laughs> and I'd only been in the taxi for about two minutes. And so I just didn't say another word. I just opened the door and got out and he drove right away. And I, I was pretty startled by that because I didn't know why he was talking about that. And, and even when I went back and shared that with teachers later, you know, say, what, what should I do differently? I said, oh, that's really odd that that would happen. So a lot of times those things aren't necessarily the norm, but we have experiences like that and it kind of make us a little bit hesitant maybe to try again. Thankfully, I had to keep trying because I had to keep taking taxis. If you'll let me ask this question, have you ever been proposed to? Yeah, definitely. Maybe not directly or outright, like, will you marry me? But I've many, many times taxi drivers have said things like, oh, you're American. Oh, my son wants to marry an American. Or oh, I want to marry an American, you know, so so definitely a lot of comments like that, maybe not a direct proposal, but I have had friends who have received those really direct proposals as well from taxi drivers. And it's nice to always be able to defer to say, oh, my parents expect me to marry a Christian or my parents expect me to marry an American, you know, and, and to kind of defer and pull it back to my father's important role in my life. That seems like a very cultural way to handle those proposals. Yeah. I'm wondering about, as a single woman, what we call a language learning route, where you put into practice in conversations outside of your language school or outside of your work with a language helper or language resource person or mentor. What did that communication route look like for you? Who were the people that you consistently went and spoke with to practice? Yeah, I would say, interestingly, that that has been maybe another challenge of language learning as a single woman. When I look at, you know, single men who are on the field, or even married men who are studying language, it seems like they have so many more opportunities because all of the shop owners are men and men are out on the street and men are out selling things and they have so much access to men. And for me as a woman, it's been actually a lot harder to make some of those connections. Some married women with children particularly have some of those connections as they connect with the other moms at their kids' schools or maybe you know moms who are at the park with their children. And so for me, I've really had to work hard to develop some of those outside relationships. And honestly, a lot of days I would spend four hours in one-on-one -on -one conversation with my language helper at the center, go home, 
take a nap, <laughs> uh, do some studying, and then go teach English or go on a visit. And I was able to make some good relationships with neighbors, um, with some students that I was teaching in an English class. And, and those opportunities also led to home visits where I was able to talk with people. But as it comes to really, you know, somewhere where I can go out in my neighborhood and connect with women, it's almost non-existent because most things are, are run by men. So no clubs, no groups Not of women, women that meet together? No, no. Unfortunately, I've, I've looked and really found there are, like I mentioned, moms groups, for example, or, you know, groups of mothers that will will meet together during their school time or different things like that. But I, I really have yet to find uh, a natural communities of single women. So so I've really had to seek out specific relationships. And and I would say I, I've found those in many different ways, but it's been one of the challenges for sure. Have you done anything online with women friends to meet and practice that way? Well, not when I was in Jordan, because when I was in Jordan, generally speaking, I had plenty of opportunities um, to be able to connect with people and, and go into their homes. Now that I've been in Cairo for the last few months, I have had some opportunities to connect with Jordanian friends online in this time where a lot of people are stuck at home. So we'll often communicate by WhatsApp, you know, either texting each other in Arabic or sending voice messages back and forth. That's been a really neat opportunity as well to connect with those friends in Jordan online. Would you have some advice to other single women learning a language in the context where it's being spoken? One of the things that I wish I did more and I would definitely encourage other single women to do is to really get in the habit early on of putting yourself out there. Um, and like I said, because in many contexts, there are not as many single women out or not as many women out in general, um, you really have to make the most of every opportunity. And a, lo- a number of my friends are, are not single. They're married women with children, and, and those have been wonderful relationships as well. But some of those I have met by simply approaching someone at the park and starting a conversation. And I wish I would have done more of that early on because when you're brand new in the neighborhood, you're kind of a novelty. You're kind of, uh, you're kind of, people want to help you because you're new and you don't know how to say anything yet. And oftentimes that's the very thing that will open doors for people to say, oh, come to my house, come visit me, you know, let's meet here every day and talk. So I would say one piece of advice that I would have is to just get in the habit early on of getting, pushing past your comfort zone. Me and my personality, it's really uncomfortable for me to do, but it's worth doing and it does get easier. And then the other thing I would say is as much as possible, seek help and advice from local friends more than from fellow expats. And if there are other expats around you, that's a, that's a wonderful gift as well. But if we can learn to really rely on the local community, we'll find within that a huge asset. And if we can go to them when we can't find what we need or when we're, you know, looking for something specific or we need help with something specific, really relying on the local community, I think, is a, a good way to um, be involved in the community. Well, before we ask you about your super duper language blooper, can you tell us what level of proficiency that you are now in Arabic? 
I haven't done any sort of proficiency test for a couple of years, but the last time I did the OPI, uh, it was an informal OPI, and I was rated at advanced high, which I was pretty happy about. And I would say, in general, I feel very comfortable speaking in Arabic on most subjects and really having opportunities to be with groups of Arabs is the place where I find myself growing the most. So when I'm sitting around with a group of Jordanian friends and they're all discussing some sort of topic, it's exciting. I can follow the majority of what's being said and I'm just kind of finding myself able to participate in that in, in Jordanian life. So that's really exciting to me. I've also had opportunities you know, here in Cairo, even though the dialect is different, um, I'm slowly starting to build relationships here in Cairo as well. And, and uh, that's been exciting to see myself starting to understand more and more of the Egyptian Arabic. Well, congratulations. That's quite an achievement to reach that level of fluency in any language, especially considering the challenges that you shared with us today. Okay, we're ready for your super-duper language blooper, Josika. Well, of course, you know, there's many stories from those first couple of years of learning where you just say something and people look at you like, what is it that you're trying to say? But I would say, you know, language learning is a lifelong process and mistakes don't end once you've stopped that full-time learning. So I I was going to tell a story of something that happened just a few weeks ago. Here in Egypt, I was I was talking with an Egyptian about a meeting that I had set up to meet with the leadership of a language program. But I mixed up some of the vowels in the word. I didn't say it right. It didn't come out right. And instead of saying that I had a meeting scheduled with the leadership, I accidentally said, I have a meeting scheduled with Al-Qaeda. Now, you should have seen his face when he looked at me with raised eyebrows saying, really? Well, that should be interesting. Of course, he knew that's not what I meant. Uh, but I was, I was pretty, uh, my face turned red definitely in that moment when I clarified, no, I mean the leadership. And he said, you know, we can, we can arrange some of those meetings if you need that. So that was, that was a recent one. I went away thinking, oh, what did I just say? That's a great story, Josika. It's such a great reminder that, yes, we will continue to make bloopers in the language, and that it's just another opportunity to develop more humility. Yeah, that's right. Do you want to share with us another story that you can remember maybe from those first days when you did get a really strange look from something that you said incorrectly? Sure. One, one day uh, I was talking with my language helper and each morning when we would start our session, she would ask me, you know, how was your day, the rest of your day yesterday? What did you do? And I really like to cook. So usually I would report to her what I had cooked the day before when I got home. And for her, it was fascinating because the things that I was cooking were so different from a lot of the foods that she was used to eating. But the day before, I hadn't actually cooked dinner, but my roommate Cassie had cooked dinner. And so I was going to report that Cassie cooked yesterday. And without really conscientiously thinking of it, I switched the word order in a way that is is actually very natural in Arabic to provide emphasis. 
So instead of saying Cassie cooked, basically I said, I was trying to say cook Cassie, which would, you know, emphasize that she was the one who cooked. But in the midst of making that switch, I misconjugated the verb. Again, just a little mix up of vowels. And instead of saying Cassie cooked, I said very clearly, I cooked Cassie. <laughs> so, so we were, we had, to, we had a good laugh about that. When she looked at me, she said, really, how did she taste? <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say? I looked at her. I said, oh, uh, I mean, I mean, wait, Cass, Cassie cooked. You know, I, I think by that point I, I realized what I had done with my accidental verb conjugation and fixed what I was trying to say. That's a great story, Jessica. I really appreciate you sharing that and your other language blooper. And we really appreciate what you shared with us today about your life as a single woman learning Arabic. And I really hope that you can join us on another show. Thanks so much, Jessica. Thank you so much, Marilyn. It was great talking with you today. 